Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. We got any football fans in the house? Anybody like football? Yeah. Man, at this point in the season, you're really excited for your team. You're loving life right now or a little discouraged, just not going the way that you thought. And, uh, and, and, or you're in this place and you could really care less about football in general, right? Uh, but it's football season, so you like the tailgate food, right? So, uh, so here's where we are. Or some of you, like you're super into football. Like how many of you play fantasy football? Your fantasy football plans? All right, me and three people. Perfect. So let me talk to you guys because uh, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Uh, so our family does this fantasy football league. And so it's ages like 7 to 70. And so I don't know what that sounds like to you. It sounds like easy money to me. And so I'm like, fired up. Let's go. And so we're, our fantasy football league kicks off. I'm like, I'm all in this year. So I'm doing like mock drafts and trying to get my team ready. Got my roster dialed in. When the draft happens, here's who I'm going to pick. All these things. And, and draft day comes. And uh, my father-in-law is a part of this league. And my father-in-law, he probably knows the most about sports in general than anyone else in our family. Uh, however, my father-in-law is very technology challenged. And so the draft takes place and I got my, I got my draft picks lined up. There's like a two minute countdown, right? So he gets two minutes to pick. Two minutes! Ticks down. He can't figure out how to pick his players. So auto-drafts. His whole entire team is auto-drafted. And he knows the most about sports, right? And so here we are, week seven, eight now into the season, and my father-in-law is at the top of our family fantasy football league. So anytime I hear football or fantasy football, I start to ask questions like, why am I here? (laughs) Why do I even try? Like, what is the purpose behind all this? And when it comes to fantasy football, I cannot find good answers uh, to that question. Uh, uh, but some of us, we get these spots in life and we ask those questions. Why am I here? What, what is my purpose? Does any of this even matter in life? And we're going to tackle that question today. And so uh, a lot of us have those thoughts that come to mind. Maybe you see a, a high school uh, buddy that, that you haven't seen in years, but maybe you connect on social media and it looks like he's hitting all of his goals and maybe you're struggling and you're like, why am I here? Or, or maybe you, you know, you, you, you thought, man, I, at this point in my life, I thought I would be here, but my reality's here. And you're like, what is the purpose behind all of this? Why am I here? What does it even matter? And maybe you face setbacks, maybe you face challenges or big problems in life. And those land us in a place where we typically ask, what's the meaning behind all of this? What is the purpose of it all. And so we're going to dive into that today. And, and ultimately, my hope is that we'll have answers to those questions. Whenever you have a, a good answer to the, the question, why am I here? What's the purpose? It, it, leads to, it leads to confidence. It leads to strength. It leads to hope. Whenever we don't have answers to those questions, it leads to confusion. Often leads to frustration. Uh, my hope is that we would understand how we can take hold of the good life. And what is the good life even mean a good life of, of more beauty, more peace, more confidence, more, more strength. And ultimately that, that, that results in, in more of God's presence in, in our life. And so, so here, here's the principle that we're going to look at today. Here's the principle. If you're taking notes, this is where it begins. The good life begins when we stop trying to earn God's love and start to learn God's love. 
we stop trying to claw our way to, to grasp God's love, and we just realize that in spite of ourselves, God loves us, and we learn to live in that love. Hey, next week we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans. Uh, we've taken a couple weeks pause in that, but next week we're jumping back into the book of Romans. We're looking at, at this, this word justification, like this big word, like how can you be made right with God? How can I be made right with God? And so next week we're going to pick, back that, pick that back up in uh, Romans chapter 4. Uh, but this message we're going to be looking at, how do we live this good life? And so I want to talk to you about probably the, the greatest dreamer in the Bible, this guy by the name of of Joseph. And Joseph lived the good life, but it doesn't mean that his life was always good. Joseph faced some of the most uh, drastic challenges of anybody that we read in scripture, but, but he clung to God in the midst of it. And, and the Bible says this interesting thing, like, like Joseph's going to land in prison. His, his family, like, it's like human traffic. They sell him into to slavery. Uh, but ultimately, it says time and time again that the Lord was with Lord was with Joseph in the good times, in the bad times. And so that's what we're going to be looking at in Genesis chapter 37. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn there. And it kicks off with Joseph as a 17-year-old teenage boy. 17-year-old teenage boy, and he's got some challenges. He's, he's his dad's favorite, uh, but his brothers hate him. And here's what it says, Genesis 37, beginning in verse 3. It says, it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift for Joseph, a beautiful robe. It might not sound like a big gift to you, but it, it was in this culture. A beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They could not say a kind word to him. They couldn't say one positive thing, not, not one kind word to Joseph. And so from the jump, there's trouble. There's trouble. Like Joseph is this golden child. I don't know if you've, you, you have a sibling who, who maybe a brother or sister, like they can do no wrong, like in your parents' eyes. Or maybe you have a coworker who always gets the credit for the project, even though you do the majority of the work. Or maybe you have a classmate who's like the teacher's pet. And, uh, and we tend to not, not favor those people too well uh, in our life. They actually drive us crazy. So immediately we're tempted to side with the brothers, right? And think, think Joseph, he's just like this, this teenage punk kid who's like spoiled rotten. And we're, we're tempted to side with the brother. But here's something I want you to think about. Uh, was the, the love that Jacob showed his son unfair? Like, like do, did Jacob love his son? Was that the love he showed him, was that unfair? And I think it's absolutely. Was it undeserved? Yes. Uh, was the gift he gave him extravagant? Completely. But it was based wholly on the father's generosity, not on the son's behavior. I mean, it was a gift. And I just want you to know that's exactly the way God views you. That's exactly the way God treats you. His love is extravagant. His love is undeserved. It's more than we expect. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he invites you to put it on anyway. And so, so you're not like the brothers in this story. You're like Joseph. And God offers you unfair love. So how, how do we live the good life? We're going to look at three principles to living the good life today. And the first one is this. The first principle is this. Stand in awe of God's love. Just to marvel at the radical grace, the radical love of God. It's the key to living the good life. 
You know, people uh, give love and receive love differently. There's a book uh, written by a guy by the name of Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages. If you've not read it, I, I'd encourage you to do it. It'll help you as you interact with people. But one of the five love languages is words of affirmation. And, uh, and that's actually my, my love language. And so I, when I read this uh, letter to this grandson named Hayden by his grandma, it, it struck a chord with me. So here's what this grandma wrote to her, her grandson. She says, Hayden, you are so special to me. I love you and your personality. I can't wait to spend more time with you. I'm so proud of you. I talk about you all the time. I love you with my whole heart. Signed, Grandma. Right? Like, who wouldn't want to receive a letter like that? Like, like that's, that's awesome. Uh, and now here's the whole picture. That's, not, that's, that's the top of the letter. Here's, the, here's Grandpa's part. Same here. Signed, Grandpa. How many of you got some people in your life like that? Like, like this, grandma, extravagant, over the top, lavish love. Grandpa, ditto. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up for that. Now, I, I'm just going to say, who do you think is going to get visited in the nursing home? <laughs> grandma. I'm just saying. Might, might put it into practice now. Uh, when it comes to God's love, oftentimes we think he's like grandpa, though. Like, like he's, he's not extravagant. He, he doesn't gush over you. Like he's, he's like grandpa, like it gives you a grunt. You walk in the room, uh, yeah, pat on the back. Yeah, like his love for you is like obligated. It's obligatory. He's, he, he's God, so like it's his job to love me. So of course, of course he, he loves me. But I would just submit to you that that's not God's love at all. God loves you like grandma loves Hayden. God loves you like Joseph loves, or Jacob loves Joseph. He, he, in matter of fact, it goes so far in the Bible that says like he actually wants to be your friend. He calls you a friend. Like he calls you, invites you into friendship with God. And, and that's, for some of us, like that's a little, almost too flowery. It's like, I don't know, bro. I don't know if that's the way God really, really views me. But here's what he says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, so, since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. And so we're just going to take a time out right there. Check this out. The Bible says that, that until you enter into a relationship with Jesus, until you experience his forgiveness, until you experience his radical grace, until you experience his mercy, that actually God's wrath is on your life. And, and some people right now, they function as enemies of God. But the radical, too good to be true, truth of the gospel is that today, before you leave this space, you can have relationship restored. You can experience God's radical grace. You can experience forgiveness, mercy, fresh start, new beginning, old gone, new come. It's available to you today. It says, for, for since our friendship with God was restored, talking to, to believers, your friendship with God has been restored. How? By the death of his son, while we were still enemies. He's saying, since that's true, this must be true as well. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has, checked this out, made us friends of God. Like what? That's awesome, right? It's too good to be true, but it's, it's not too good to be true because it is true. And when's the last time you just stood in awe of that radical grace? When's the last time you just took a pause and said, God, out of everything going on in my life right now, it's not, all of it's my expectations were up here, reality's down here, but God, I'm just so thankful for your love. I'm so thankful for your mercy. I'm so thankful that you don't treat me like my sins deserve, God. You give me fresh mercy every morning. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, he calls you his friend. It ever felt like you don't have any friends 
Ever felt like you're all alone? Maybe you scroll social media, you look like everyone's living the good life but me. And why didn't they invite me to that party they're at anyway? Right? Like, like we, we get these feelings sometimes. But listen, God calls you his friends. And here's the deal. You get to choose your friends. And God chose you. He chose you for relationship. And he calls us, calls us his friends. And here's this, this universal tension that people throughout generations have wrestled with. And the question is, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? And some really smart people that really love God, they wrote this document called the Westminster Catechism. And they asked this question, and here's the question that they asked. They said, what's the chief end of man? Like, what's your purpose? What is for every man, woman, boy, and girl on the earth today, why are you here? They asked the question, and here's the answer. Man's purpose, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's good. When's the last time you just took time just to enjoy, enjoy God, enjoy his presence? It helps us answer the question, who am I? Well, the Bible calls you a friend of God. Why am I here? My purpose in life is to glorify God and just to enjoy his presence forever. In the midst of life, sometimes we can lose sight of that. It's a very short but powerful answer to the question, why am I here? In the midst of to-do lists, in the midst of ball games and practices and school drop-off and school pickup and, and hustling at work and this project deadline and got to get here, got to get there, sometimes we can lose perspective of this. And e- even for people that really love God and really, really want to serve him, we can reduce spiritual maturity down to spiritual activity. It, it, when you're really called not just to be busy, we're called to glorify God and enjoy his presence forever. Stand in awe of who he is. The good life begins when we stop trying to earn God's love and begin to learn God's love. Let's make it a habit of just every time you enjoy something good, just say, God, thank you for that. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is a gift from God. And so next time you enjoy something good, maybe it's a a, a king-size candy bar that just got chucked at your head by by some kid. Uh, Maybe it's some candy afterwards. But say, say, God, thank you. Like that's a gift from you. I appreciate that. The small things. Let's Let's grow to a place where we learn to stand in awe of God once again. I got to hang out with uh, a couple of my nephews and my niece uh, last week, and, uh, and, and it just reminded me that I've kind of lost some of the awe of simple things in life. Uh, my nephews, they, one thing, we didn't go to Disneyland, we didn't go to great, we didn't do anything extravagant, but in my backyard, they would climb up in the tree. They say, Uncle Tim, catch me. Well, first it wasn't catch me. It was like, grab me. And so I'd pick them out of the tree, set them down on the ground. They'd be like, yeah, that's awesome. Uncle Tim, do it again, do it again. And they got to this place where they would jump, like with abandonment. And I'd catch them, do it again, do it again. Jumping out of a tree. <laughs> I was like, man, I've lost some of the awe and wonder of simple things in life. I want to get back. I want to grow to this place where I see beauty, where, where, where I used to see it, but maybe I've just grown cold to it. To be thankful for family, be thankful for friends, thankful for where, wherever God's positioned me and put me in life. G.K. Chesterton, he wrote a book called Orthodox, and he says this. He said, it's possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. Every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all the daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but he's never got tired of making them. It may be that he has an eternal appetite for infancy. We have sinned and grown old. Our father is younger than we. Let's grow back to this place of standing in awe of God. 
awe of simple things, on awe of God of, of the big things, his radical love, his radical grace, but, but awe and wonder and appreciation for smiles on kids' faces, and awe and appreciation for the beauty of his creation around us. Let, let's, let's grow back to this place where we stand in awe of God's love in every situation. That's where the first principle of the good life begins. And then the second principle is to see your situation through the lens of faith. See your situation with faith. You know, expectations are, are kind of a funny thing. Uh, oftentimes we have expectations up here and reality lands down here. Uh, Twitter's getting a lot of press uh, this week. And so uh, I found a list of some tweets uh, that, that people put out there about their expectations and what they're learning about marriage. And so the first one is, is this. See if you can relate to any of these. Uh, marriage teaches you a lot about yourself. For instance, I've learned that I don't need to use so many paper towels and that they're expensive. Anybody else learn that lesson in your house? Next one, one of the great, this is probably one of my, my favorites. Uh, my wife probably tells me I never listen to her. Probably. I sound like she might say something. That's wrong, that's wrong on several levels, but real and I think funny. Uh, next one, see if you can relate to this one. Uh, wife, you pick, out di- you pick dinner. Where are you going to eat? You pick. Me, pizza. Wife, no. Me, tacos. No. Subs, no. What do you want? That's up to you. Sometimes, sometimes we have this expectation. Some of you relate to that. So sometimes in marriage relationships and other relationships, when someone says, you get to pick, the, the wrong expectation is that you get to pick. The right reality is that they're inviting you to a guessing game, and you're supposed to guess what they want. Expectations versus reality. Expectations don't always match reality. And one expectation that people have of God is that whenever you're right with God, when you're good with God, life is going to be good. When, when, when I'm good with God, nothing wrong or bad happens in my life. Because after all, if God's for me, who could be against me? I mean, after all, after all, he's all powerful. After all, he's all loving. I mean, you just read it, Timbo. He, he calls me his friend, right? And so if we're good, I'm good. We're tempted to see God's love through the lens of our life situation. So when life's good, I must be good with God and God must be good. But when life's bad, perhaps God's mad or perhaps he's just distant. Here's the invitation I hope you accept this week. Let's put on different lenses. Let's look at situations. Let's choose to see your situation from the angle of God's love rather than see God's love from the angle of your situation. Let's see our situations in view of God's love rather than to define, rather than to allow our situation to define what God's love is and how it looks in our life. We, we think His love and attention goes up and down and up and down, but the opposite is true. He is steadfast. He he is unchanging. He he, he does draw near. And sometimes situations in life seem unfair. Sometimes situations in life uh, seem unjust, but that doesn't mean that God is unjust. It does not mean that God has left you. It means that he wants to walk with you through some tough times that we may not raise our hand to walk through. And that's exactly what Joseph walks through. Joseph, he experiences this, Genesis 37, uh, verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about the dream, check this out, they hated him even more. So God draws near to Joseph, and he's like, hey, I got plans for you. I'm going to show you a glimpse into the future. I'm going to take care of you. 
I want you to, I want you to see this. Like, like God draws near to Joseph. Joseph is in good standing with God. And as a result, the people that he cares about the most hate him even more. Listen he, this, to this dream, he said. He said, we were out in the field trying to bundle up grain. Suddenly, my, my bundle stood up, and your bundles, uh, they, they, they gathered around and bowed down before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you're going to be king, do you? Do you actually think that you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked to them. So Joseph has this dream. And in that culture, dreams were considered to be divine communication. That God communicated to people through dreams, so much so that they had uh, this whole, whole field of, of dream interpreters. They had dream libraries where they would document uh, dreams throughout decades. And so whenever someone came and Graciela's like, hey, here's my dream. What, is, what does this mean? I would say, hey, here, so-and-so had the same dream on this date, and here's what happened. Perhaps the same will happen to you. It's this whole, whole career path of interpreting dreams. And so Joseph has a dream, which is in this culture was a, a big deal. And so check this out. Joseph is favored by his father, receives this amazing coat. Now Joseph appears to be favored by God, received this amazing dream that suggests an amazing future. And so, so how does Joseph's situation change in response to his father loving him? God draws near. Things get worse. His family hates him. His situation goes from bad to, to worse. Joseph uh, just tells his family the dream and they hate him. Certainly Joseph's expectations did not match reality. Uh, in group night this week, we, we got together and uh, had a great time of worship. Women split off, did watch some teaching and talked and, and guys did the same. And the, the, the guy that we, the fellows watched, uh, Larry Osborne, great, great teacher, communicator, but he said this about faith. He says, he says, faith isn't just an optimistic outview on life, but rather faith is courageous obedience in life. And I think that's important. When we see our situation, to see it through the lens of faith, which means, yes, God is for me. Yes, God is with me. But in the midst of challenging times, I'm just not going to have blind optimism. I'm going to take courageous steps of obedience to what God has asked me to do. And that's what Joseph, Joseph does. And so, so some can maybe relate to this family dynamic that Joseph is experiencing. Oftentimes, the place that our dreams are first to get challenged is within our family family dynamic, a place that should be very encouraging and uplifting sometimes can be the most challenging. But think for a moment how, how Joseph responds to the situation. He could say, hey, God, if you're for me, why did my family respond that way? God, if you really love me, how could this be happening to me? Or Joseph could say, hey, in the midst of all of this, I'm going to respond with faith and say, God, I know my situation doesn't look good, but I trust that you're with me. God, I know my feelings uh, feel like they're frayed and falling apart, but God, I'm trusting that you're working in ways that I do not see. Listen, we, we can let faith diminish our doubts, or we can let our doubts diminish our faith. But we get to choose. And the good life begins when we stop trying to earn God's love, but we remember, we start to learn God's love and remember how he he views us. So to experience a good life, we stand in awe of God's love. Uh, second, we, 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 we see our situations through faith. And then finally, we share the wonder, share, share the wonder of life. This is the final point. Genesis 37, verse 9 says, soon Joseph had another dream. And you're thinking, oh boy, please don't tell anyone. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, the 11 stars bowed down before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers, but his father scolded him. 
What kind of dream is that, he said. Uh, will, Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. That, that word jealous, it, it actually means to do harm, like to inflict pain. And that's exactly what Joseph's brothers do. They, they conspire. They, say, they actually say, hey, we're going to kill him. And uh, one of the brothers is like, hey, wait a minute. We got time out. He is dad's favorite. And uh, we do care about our dad, and our dad would be very sad if, if his favorite child was killed. So, so let's, not, let's not kill him. Let's, let's sell him into slavery. So they, they intend to do bodily harm to him, and that's what they do. They sell him into slavery. He goes to Egypt, and, and God is with him in the midst of prison, the midst of heartache, in the midst of all the things that he faces there. So they want to do, do harm towards him. Uh, and you might be wondering, why again? Like, why why the repeat dream? Why did he share it again? I think because Joseph is so excited that God's communicating to him. In this culture, if you receive a dream, if you have like the same dream more than once, it's just like God saying, this is going to happen. You can bank on it and there's urgency to it. And so Joseph's excited. He's like, I don't know what any of this means, but I'm just, can you believe it? I'm having the repeat dream. And like, obviously his brothers are not super excited. And even his dad at first mention says, says, you know, what are you doing? Like, do you think we're really going to bow down to you? Like, who do you think you are? First he's upset, but then his dad says this, his father wondered what the dreams meant. That that word wondered means to, to hold it in your mind. And so here's, here's Jacob. And if you don't know the history of, of Israel, it's, it's Abraham, it's Isaac, and now Jacob. And he holds this in his mind. And he thinks God gave Abraham, this, his great-grandpa, this tremendous promise that, that through you, through your line, through your little bitty family, and he didn't even have a family at the time, I'll make you a blessing, and you'll be a blessing to the entire world. And, and, and Jacob probably thinks at this time, I wonder if this is it. I wonder if he's going to choose my favorite child. I wonder if he's going to, to move in power in a way that no one thought possible. And I wonder, I wonder if this is it. And here's the application for us. When you share the wonder of what God's doing in your life, it inspires, it creates wonder in others. The more wonder you share, the more wonder you experience. Some of you are here today and and maybe you're here because a family member or friend invited you and they invited you because they want you to experience the wonder and the awe of God's radical grace. They want you to experience the the dynamic rescuing power that they've experienced and the joy and the the fulfillment and the purpose that maybe they experienced. They want you to experience that same awe, that that same wonder. And and that's why you're here. And and so I just want to share briefly with you how all that takes place. If you're in this place, you say, hey, I don't know God, but but I want to. Well, let me just share with you how how that can all take place. Here's the bad news first. It's important for us to understand the bad news. So we appreciate the good news. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, it says, for all of us have sinned, you included, me included, and we've fallen short of God's, God's standards, of the glory of God. And so, so it's actually like a, sin is like an archery term, like you're shooting at a target and you miss the target. It's called sin. You, you missed the mark. And all of us have missed the mark. We've all done our own thing in some form or another. And so God has standards that we haven't haven't kept them. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says, as it's written, there's no one righteous, like no one, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away and have, have become worthless. 
though no one does good, not even one. And so Paul's making this case like, hey, in and of ourselves, we are bankrupt spiritually with no hope of having restored relationship with God. But then he says this in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Like the result, the consequence, the wage of sin is, is death, physical death, yes, but spiritual death as well. And for some of you, that's why you figure out, like, I, I can't figure out life. I, I think fulfillment would be here. I do this, I'm not fulfilled. I try this, it doesn't work. I, it's like this illusion you're constantly chasing and you can't grasp it. And it's, it's death in, in your life, but, but there's good news. The wages of sin, the result of sin is death, but the gift of God, he has a gift for you. Eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, you, you can leave this place changed. You can have a real relationship with God, past erased, sins forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross, but you gotta call out. You gotta talk to him. Here's the deal. Whenever, before we put our faith in Jesus, it comes to the end of our life. The Bible says that, man, like there's a document of all of our mistakes, all of, all of my sins, and, and I've, I'm a pretty good sinner. And, and so my list is long. But on the cross, the Bible tells us that, that he takes our sin, our shame, and he, and he laid it on Jesus on the cross. And on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. And so that's how you can have relationship with God. It's not, not hocus pocus, it's, it's, it's your sin has been paid for. That's why Jesus suffered so brutally, so that you could go free. And so now, in, on the cross, God treated Jesus like your sins deserve. So now he treats you like only Jesus deserves. So now you can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You can know God. You can go on this journey of growing in freedom, discover the spiritual gifts and purposes he's given you, and live a life that makes a difference in this world, changes the world. And that's the journey he invites you into.